0: Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. So many questions. Anybody got questions about what was just read? So many questions. Bible interpreters and Bible scholars call this Jesus' hardest parable because, well, there's just so many questions. And as I ponder the questions that might come up, like who is good and not, and is there a Christ figure in this parable? And and, and as you ponder questions, I stopped and asked this question. I wonder what contemporary situations might cause Jesus to tell a story like this one. And and then I wonder how that might correlate to situations that existed in which Jesus actually told this story. So what kinds of things in our world today might cause Jesus to just stop and say, hmm, let me tell you a story like this one. I mean, I, I wonder if Jesus would tell a story like this one talking about mammon, not just money. This isn't just about money. This is about making, making the pursuit of money all-encompassing, like, like the idolatry of the consumption, the acquiring of things and wealth. It's mammon. It's almost that, that spiritual force of acquisition of having at the exclusion of others having what they need, mammon the false god of mammon. I wonder what kinds of things would cause Jesus to tell this story about mammon and not being able to serve two masters and this shrewd manager like what kinds of things? I wonder what about payday loans. I wonder if Jesus was walking by and he saw a payday loan store and if he might tell a story about people who gained money by dishonest means like predatory lending, interest rates that are ever increasing that cannot be paid off, or, or those that would make loans, you know, payday loans that you can never really pay back. Or how about those, like, how about some of those, maybe not all, but some of those buy here, pay here car lots that's really not meant for you to be able to buy it here and pay it here. It's really just meant to pay it here and we get to keep it here because you're never going to pay it off. Because it's kind of written into the interest rate. I wonder if Jesus would tell a story about wow, it seems like there's some dishonest wealth going on here. Or, I wonder if there's been anything in the news lately about about loans that can never be repaid and a little bit being forgiven and any conversation about it. I know it seems like I've heard something about student loan debt and student loan debt re- reduction and maybe there's been just a little bit of firestorm of conversation around ten and up to $20,000 being forgiven and, oh, that's not, oh, I had to pay all mine off versus, oh, I think that's anything that's gracious. And has there been any conversation? I don't, am I making that up? Student loans, by the way, whose interest rates sometimes seem you can pay and pay and pay and pay and not make much progress. Like it's not like other loans. huh? I wonder if any of those circumstances would call Jesus to say there was a manager who was acquiring wealth and pursuing mammon by dishonest means. And and he had a steward that was kind of his middleman collector. And the middleman collector is brought in and is going to lose his job because he's squandering the resources. He's not collecting enough dishonest wealth. And therefore, you know, you're not making enough of those payday loans. You can charge a higher interest rate on those. Oh, you're being a little loosey-goosey with some of those loans that are being made. I can't have you doing this anymore. And then Jesus tells a story about a guy who hears about all this. He's going to lose his job, and and he says, well, I'm I'm too proud to beg. I've been doing white-collar work all my life, so my hands are not fit for a shovel. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to make it, so let me make a plan to see what I can go do. So he goes out, and he begins to cook the books. Or did he? You see, in Jesus' world, in Jesus' society, there was about there were 1% of the population was the ruling elite. Three, well, really, one percent. you got the king, and then you got the ruling elite, and then you got about 3%, maybe up to 12, that serves the ruling elite. The rest are peasants or even less. 85% of the population had almost nothing. And the predatory lending practices of the day is that the peasants were constantly being, they had to pay taxes, they had to pay this, they had to pay that. And if you couldn't pay it, you know what the king and the ruling elite did? They took their land. They took their land. And now you're working the land, and now you're working the land, and now you're not getting anything back. So there was, the system was set up for corruption, and it was definitely a top-down system where completely the peasants were perpetually vulnerable to those who had all the wealth. So, Jesus tells a story about this rich man and a manager, a rich man who had all the wealth. How do we read this story? Well, well, first off, we read this story just a little bit as Jesus giving commentary on the way the world is working, serving mammon is not the way the kingdom of God works. So it's sort of a, there is an economic interpretation reading of the story. You know, that's what the rabbis have done for centuries. Well, how do you read it? How do you read the story? Well, there's, there, the, the world doesn't run on mammon. The world runs on friendship and relationships and the kingdom of God and justice and mercy and even forgiveness. The world doesn't run on cons- the acquisition of things. The world doesn't run on that. Martin Luther made the statement, he said, you know, we are, we are called to love people and use things, but so often in the world, we end up using people and loving things. This, this story is told as a way of upending that whole idea of using people because we love things. Now, I'm not going to be able to answer every question in this parable, but Jesus is turning upside down the way that the world of the king and the ruling elite and the peasants, and so the, the shrewd manager, by the way, the Greek word can also be interpreted wise, dishonest shrewd slash wise he very well may have been according to the economics of the day he may have been looking at the books and just cutting off his his portion of the debt or he may have been cutting off the his portion and the interest portion and just saying here's what you owe my master no interest by the way by the way, did you know in the Old Testament, in the Torah, it said that you're not supposed to loan at interest? So I wonder if maybe the master then is going, oh, my manager has just showed me up. He has been more honorable than me. He, he recognizes the, the Torah. He recognizes the way I'm supposed to relate to people. I'm not supposed to be abusing people with money. And so he has just called me out. Maybe that's why he's commended not so much as a dishonest, but maybe as a shrewd or a wise manager at the end and after all jesus does end up saying you cannot serve both god and mammon that's one of the interpretations by the way in a humorous way did you notice how after the telling of the parable it's almost like the gospel writer is saying let me throw four things at the wall and see if any of these things stick to this parable I mean, just notice. I mean, come on, you got to be able to have some fun with the Bible every now and again. Whoever is faithful in in little is also faithful in much. Whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest in much. If you've not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? If you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I think that spaghetti strand stuck to the wall. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have two masters. Maybe, just maybe, in this story, the dishonest, shrewd, wise manager actually chose no longer longer to serve the rich man. He chose to serve what's right. Maybe he even chose to take the interest of the peasants who had the least okay so there's there's one way of reading the parable but and we do pray father forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors don't we there's there's one reading of the parable but there's also the spiritual reading with which maybe we're more comfortable and is less controversial a spiritual reading would be we all have a debt there's nothing to do with money it's a debt of missing the mark. It's a debt of, of where we've fallen short. It's a debt of sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, no matter, no matter how many good things we've done or how many years we've attended church or how many songs we've sung or, sh- sung or sermons we've preached or good deeds we've done. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And And the wages of that sin is destruction. I mean, missing the mark causes us to be less than the human beings God created us to be. We all know the disfigurement that falling short, missing the mark that sin does, right? I mean, don't we know that? We don't have to be a a certain kind of of church-going Christian. We all know no matter what language, what strand of the Christian tradition we come from, we know that falling short messes us up and messes the world around us up. Truth truth we, we know that relationships fall apart we know that we become less than on the inside we become constricted our heart becomes like the grinch it becomes a few sizes too small so what i want to say as we as we continue to look at this parable is i'm so thankful that grace does not keep score I'm so thankful that God does not have a record book, a tally book, a check mark box of my sin and yours. I'm glad there's not a heavenly file cabinet that God can pull out and he can remind us of all the ways in which we've fallen short and all the debts that we, we owe. I'm glad that's not the way it works. I'm glad there is a wise manager I'm glad there is a compassionate manager. I'm glad that there is a a steward who's willing to stretch out his arms and die and say, there's not a a heavenly file cabinet. There's not a heavenly spreadsheet. There's not a heavenly accounting in that way because I've I've already paid the price and already taken care of that. Psalm 103 speaks of the beauty of God's forgiveness. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. And further, in Psalm 103, it says, The Lord does not treat us as our sins deserve, like, what a beautiful picture. He goes around and he sees, he sees what we owe. 100 gallons of oil, 80 bushels of wheat, whatever the case may be. He sees what we owe. He sees where we've fallen short. He sees where we missed the mark. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Like, that's the best news ever because we couldn't stand it the, the psalmist also says if 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 god treated us according to our sins who could stand who could stand like if we really thought come on like sometimes i say to say to my class at our university like come on like work with me here like like tune in <laughs> tune in like who of us could stand if we thought that that we had to pay for every way in which we've messed up. Who of us could stand? Grace does not keep score. Oh, sin matters. Grace just matters more. Sin destroys, grace just heals more. And and if and if we are wanting to accuse and say that oh as some said to the apostle paul and paul's response in romans is oh should we go on sinning that grace by may abound and he says oh god forbid do you not know the destructive consequences of missing the mark of being less than human less than god intended of walking in ways that are apart from god's purposes for life do you not know how much it destroys Our lives, our minds, our hearts, relationships, those around us. There's all kinds of ways in which that's true, and we all know it in our bones, and we know it in our tears, and we know it through our prayers. And yet, there is one who stretches out his arms and says, grace does not keep score. Grace does not keep score it's better news than we can imagine and i believe that the better news the best news of all that grace does not keep score is the purest deepest motivation to live a life pleasing to god i have not changed in that conviction since i was probably a teenager That acknowledgement, acceptance, awareness, experience of God's love, God's grace, God's forgiveness is that which changes us. So, grace doesn't keep score. So, to bring the two things together, I'm not a fish, an aficionado of Bob Dylan songs, but there is a Bob Dylan song that says, You gotta serve somebody. You gotta serve somebody. And it go the verses, it would, it would be worth, you might wanna look up the lyrics sometime. The whole thing is quite profound. You gotta serve, everybody's gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but everybody's gotta serve somebody. You see, in this parable that is confounding and raises questions it does raise the question of who are we going to serve are we going to serve mammon in dishonest means or are we going to look out for the interest of those who have the least and be concerned about those who are struggling the most and are we going to serve the one who has so much grace that by definition, he does not keep score. Oh, we got to serve somebody. Everybody's got to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. Who are we going to serve? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you stretched out your arms of love upon the hardwood of the cross. so that everyone might be within the reach of your saving embrace so clothe us by your spirit that we too reaching forth our hands in love may bring all who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you help us to see our entanglements with mammon and help us to serve those who struggle and help us to serve you the one who forgives God, we are abundantly grateful that we can stand because in your great love for us, you've chosen to call us your children, you've chosen that grace does not keep score. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church Podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.